Welcome to the Appalachian Folklore Podcast presents Stories from the Cabin, a storytelling podcast within a podcast, featuring tales from the countries and cultures whose people make up the diverse region we know as Appalachia. I'm your host, Aaron Bobbick. Hey folks, welcome to this month's episode of Stories from the Cabin. Today I'm going to read from The Island of Happiness, Tales of Madame Dolnoy, collected by Jack Zipes and illustrated by Natalie Frank. It's a beautiful book I bought a long time ago when it first came out, and then, like I do with all my other books, I wanted it, I put it on the shelf, and I haven't opened it until today. So from that book, I'm going to read to you The Tale of Mira. I departed somewhat late from Victoria because I had stopped at the home of the governor of this region, whom I've mentioned before, and we slept at Miranda. The country is very pleasant until you reach Erinyi. Afterward, we took a difficult road to the banks of the Urola River, whose noise is made greater by numerous rocks against which the water smashes, soars, and then falls down, forming natural cascades in several places. Then... We continued to mount the high mountains of the Pyrenees, where we ran into thousands of different dangers. At one point, we saw the ancient ruins of an old castle where sprites have their dwellings, just like we have in Guevara. It is near Garganson, and we had to stop there because one has to pay a certain customs fee to the king. I learned from the magistrate of the town, who came up to my carriage to converse with me, that there is a tale that circulates in this region about a king and queen who had once upon a time lived here. They had a daughter so beautiful and charming that people took her for a goddess rather than a mortal creature. She was called Mira, and it is that name that comes from the Spanish expression Mira. It means look, because as soon as she appeared anywhere, people gazed at her and cried out, Mira, Mira, to draw attention to her. There you have it, the etymology of a word drawn from long ago. Anyone who saw her fell desperately in love with her. However, her pride and indifference made all of her lovers die. The notorious basilisk has never killed as many people as the beautiful and very dangerous Mira. Consequently, she has depopulated her father's kingdom. Moreover, the surrounding countries were full of dying and dead lovers. After the people had vainly appealed to her to stop... They finally called upon heaven to demand due justice. Eventually, the gods grew irritated, and even the goddesses soon expressed their anger. The result was that the scourges of heaven ravaged her father's kingdom to punish her. In the midst of this general calamity, the king consulted the oracle, which told him that all these misfortunes would not end until Mira had made amends for all the sorrow caused by her eyes, and that she must leave the kingdom. The fates were to conduct her to the fatal place where she was to lose her tranquility and liberty. The princess obeyed, believing that it was impossible for her to be touched by tender feelings. She took only her nurse with her, and she dressed like a simple shepherdess, fearing that someone might notice her. She did this at sea and on land. She traveled through two-thirds of the world, committing three or four dozens of murders every day, because her beauty did not decrease from all the arduous journeys she took. After some time had passed, she arrived near an old castle that, at that time, belonged to a young count named Neos. 
endowed with many talents and exceedingly shy. He spent his days in the forest, and as soon as he saw a woman, he fled from her. Of all the things that he had ever encountered on earth, he detested women. Now, one time, when the beautiful Mira was resting herself under the shade of trees, Neos passed by, dressed in a lion's skin, a bow attached to his belt, and a mace on his shoulder. His hair was all a mess, and his face was besmeared like a chimney sweep's. Yet the princess thought him the most handsome and charming man in the world. She ran after him as if she were mad, and he ran from her as if he were suffering from the same madness. Then she lost sight of him, and did not know where to look for him. As a result, she became distraught and wept day and night with her nurse next to her. Some time later, Neos returned to the hunt, and as soon as Mira saw him again, she wanted to pursue him. However, when he perceived her, he did exactly what he had done before. Once again, Mira wept bitter tears, but her passion was so strong that she eventually outran him and stopped him. Then she grabbed hold of his locks and pleaded with him to gaze upon her, thinking that this would be enough to win his heart. Yet, yet he cast his eyes on her with as much indifference as if she had been made of wood. Mira was astonished, but she would not leave him. Despite his indifference, she went with him to his castle, where, as soon as she entered, he left her and was never seen again. Poor Mira could not be consoled, and she died from grief. From that time on, people heard deep sighs and groans coming from the castle of Neos. The young country girls of this region are accustomed to going there and to carrying her little presents of fruit, milk, and eggs that they set down by the mouth of a cave that nobody dares enter. They say that this was to comfort her. However, it was abolished as superstition. Though I did not believe a single word of this tale told to me at Gargenson, I was nevertheless pleased to listen to this story of which I admit a thousand particulars for fear of exhausting you because of its length. My waiting woman was so delighted by this tale that she wanted us to return to the mouth of that cave and set down some red partridges that my people had just bought. She thought that the princess's ghost would be mightily consoled by receiving this testimony of our goodwill. But for my part, I thought I would be more content than her in having those partridges prepared for my supper. And that is the tale of Mira from The Island of Happiness, Tales of Madame Dolnoy, collected by Jack Zipes, and illustrations by Natalie Frank. I hope y'all have been doing well. I've been collecting a lot of interviews for the main AFP episodes starting up again on January 1st. I'll have some bonus episodes out before then, and of course, you can look forward to next month's Stories from the Cabin. And until then, y'all be good. Thanks for spending your time with me here at the Appalachian Folklore Podcast. If you'd be so kind as to rate and review this show on whatever platform you use, I'd be much obliged as it helps spread the word. You can email me at appfolklorepod at gmail.com and visit my website shows.acast.com slash AFP. You can find me at appfolklorepod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also find me on Mastodon at appfolklorepod.com at thefolklore.cafe. Thanks to Jonathan Ochoa for the AFP cover art. You can find his work on Instagram at Inkwell Graphic Design. 
Thanks again for listening.